Blog Talk Radio. Well, amen. Good to have you joining with us. My name is Brother Brandon Teague. I'm the pastor here at Faith Baptist Church. We're meeting just south of Deport, Texas, and we're glad that you came to meet with us and be a part of us today and here on the Old Paths broadcast. And it's a blessing to uh, to preach the Word of God. Just want to say before we start, it's a blessing to be called to preach. It's a blessing to be able to have people to, to preach to, and, and we're thankful that you've joined in. doesn't matter where you're at. doesn't matter what's going on in your life. God's here to talk to you, take time to hear what he has to say. And uh, we find ourselves this morning in uh, our sermon series of Getting to Know Jesus. We are in part 139. 139. It's a lot of, lot of sermons. But fear not just because you say, well, I'd never catch up now. I've missed 138 services of this. Don't feel bad. There's no reason for you to feel like that you can't catch up. Uh, just because just because you find yourself here today doesn't mean that you're going to miss out on who Jesus is because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if we see him today, on, and today we find ourselves in the last week of his life on earth, the last week of his earthly life. Now, I don't say the last week of his life because he, he's always been, he is, and he always will be. There's never been a time when he, did not, when he did not exist. So his life never ceased. His earthly life ceased. This earthly flesh that, he, that, he, uh, care, that his, his soul and spirit uh, embodied, uh, that body, that body was, uh, that, the earthly body ceased on that day on the cross. But when he was resurrected, he had a new body. He had a perfect body, still bearing the nail prints in the hands and the nail prints in the feet and the wound in the side where the spear had pierced. Those there to be an everlasting memorial for what he has done for us. But we are, like I said, we are, we are in the last week of Jesus' earthly life. And as I said before, we, before the broadcast started, we uh, last week, uh, last Sunday, we were we were in the scope of where we were at in the life of Jesus. We were in Sunday of his life, the last week of his life. And today we find ourselves on the following day, on Monday. And uh, as I said, there are 12 events that take place on Monday, 12 different sections of Scripture. And uh, we're not going to get to them all real fast. We're going to take our time, and as we look at Monday, and we look at the very first section of this, we're not going to hurry through it. This verse, first section covers 30 verses. We're only going to cover two this morning. So if you would, turn with me in your Bible to John chapter 12 and verse 23. John chapter 12 and verse 23. I will back up and read a few verses before that just for the sake of continuous uh, reading here, continuity or however you want to say it. Um. John, let me find out, let me get over myself. John chapter 12. John chapter 12. And we'll, we'll start reading there in verse 20. Because I don't want you to miss this. Um, now, again, let's remember exactly what's going on. Jesus came into the temple 
riding on the foal of an ass, just as the scripture prophesied that he would. He came in with people breaking off palm branches, throwing their throwing their garments in front of him, shouting Hosanna uh, to the to the to the son of uh, let's say what what do they call him Hosanna in the highest praises to the to the son of God the son of David I mean they were giving him glory they they were praising him here comes the Messiah he's coming in he's going to sit on the throne of David he's going to put down the enemies of of the Jews and and he's going to rule and reign that was their idea they could not see it they could not understand it and all of that had happened. Uh, that took place on Saturday. Then sun, and, and he went back. Well, on Sunday when he came to the temple, uh, Jesus came in, and and he didn't come in meek and mild. He came in flipping tables over, dumping money in the floor, setting birds loose. I mean, it was a commotion like a nobody had ever seen in there, except for the first time he did it. When he came back in, he he had watched them the day before, and I can tell you that holy indignation ran through his veins because they had taken his father's house and made it a house of, of salesmanship, a house of merchandise. They had taken it, and it wasn't no longer a place to come and meet with God. It was a place to come and do business, and Jesus had had enough of people prostituting his father's house for their own purposes. And, and I'm going to tell you, the same way Jesus looks at today at people taking the things of God and using them for their own glory, using them for their own Profit in their own means, and and Jesus is not pleased with that either. And I just want to throw that out there. So let's go ahead and let's look here in verse twenty. So he he does all that. Well, the Bible says, uh, and there were certain Greeks among them that came up to worship at the feast. Now, obviously, these are these are not. Jews, they're Greeks. The Bible says they're Greeks. And uh, they came up to worship. So they had obviously uh, been proselytized into the Jewish religion. So they're coming up for Passover. They're coming up to worship at the Feast of Passover. But the same, the Bible says, those Greeks, they, therefore they came to Philip, which was a Bethsaida of Galilee, and desired him, saying, Sir, we would see Jesus. We want to see Jesus. Now, somebody somewhere had had preached Jesus to them. Somewhere, somebody had told them about his miracles. They had told them about, hey, this might be the Messiah. He is fulfilling prophecy. He's done this. He's done that. And these are, again, they're Jews. I mean, they're Greek. They're Greek proselytes to the Jewish religion, but they have an interest in seeing Jesus. Now, I want to... I, I like that the Bible keeps mentioning these Greeks. These, these, uh, th- there's a reason. Because Jesus didn't just come to the Jews. He came, hey, he, he's the light coming into the world to shine to every man. He, hey, he came and he brought salvation, made it available to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the what? To the Greek. All right, so thank God, or you and I wouldn't have a chance to be saved if it weren't for that. So thank God salvation was available to both and again that just shows you right there it wasn't just the Jews it was people coming wanting to know about him but here's the thing he didn't respond to them like uh, you would expect he uh, he was he uh, he here's what Jesus said to them when they when they came to him verse 23 and Jesus answered them saying the hour is come 
that the Son of Man should be glorified. In other words, the time of teaching is over. The time for, for sermons is over. The time for beatitudes is over. The time has come for me to die. <clears throat> now, that door will be open to the Gentiles in good time. The Jews have to reject him before the door is open. And that's about to happen, and we'll see that. We'll see that, but not this morning. Now, the Bible, let's go ahead and read verses 23 through 26. We'll pray, and we'll get into the message this morning. And Jesus answered them, saying, The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. He that loveth his life shall lose it. And he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, I come before you this morning and I need you. I need you, Lord, because I stand before, Lord, the word of God and I, and I feel so inadequate so often, Lord, to, to try to proclaim your truth and do it with clarity, to do it with, with single-mindedness, Lord, to do it without distraction or interruption. Father, I, I feel my weakness as a man, Lord, and I need the Holy Ghost of God to empower me this morning. I need, Lord, the Holy Ghost of God to take control. I pray, Father, for each one that's listening, both here in the room with me and, Father, also all of those who are listening in. Lord, whatever means they're listening by, Father, we pray for them. We pray, Lord, that their heart be stirred. We pray, Father, that they realize their time may be short on this earth. And the time is now to live for Jesus. The time is now to serve the Lord. Lord God, please put the importance upon us and let us not be lulled to sleep by the, by the rocking of this world, trying to get us to, to lose sight on what you've called us to be and what you've called us to do. Lord God, I pray, Father, that the Holy Spirit of God would draw our attention to the Word of God today. In Jesus' name I pray. Lord, I pray you work on every heart. In Christ's name we ask. Amen. All right. Well, we're going to talk this morning about serving Christ. And I know you think, well, we've talked about that many, many, many times. Well, so has Jesus many, many times. And there's a reason why he keeps hitting that theme over and over again. It's because it's important. And the reason why I've preached on this subject many, 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 many untold hundreds of times over the course of my ministry is because it's so important that we serve Christ. And so I want us to, again, I want us to look at the scripture this morning. I want us to look at what Jesus is saying. Now, these, these, these are the, the, the first words that he speaks on Monday, okay? He said, when they came to him, they came looking for him. Hey, Jesus, people want to talk to you. They want to see you. They want to see you. And he said, listen, he said, the hour has come. It's time right now that the Son of Man should be glorified. He's saying that the Son of Man ought to be honored. All right, it's not time. It's not time for for me to minister. It's time for me to to be glorified. And he said, "Verily, verily, I say unto you." Now listen. He said, "Except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone." You know, you think about. He says, "A corn of wheat." 
He's not talking about ear of corn. He's not talking about a piece of corn, shoe peg corn, corn on the cob. He said a corn of wheat. You take a stalk of wheat, it's got it's got little grains on the end. We call them grains of wheat, but Jesus called it a corn of wheat. He says that corn of wheat falls, unless it falls into the ground and dies, he said it abideth alone. In other words, it's by itself. It won't do anybody any good. Okay? He said, but if it die, if it falls into the ground, if it gets covered with dirt, if water gets to it, if the the breakdown of the of the uh, the material of it, if it doesn't break down in the soil, uh, listen, it's not going to ever bring forth life. You take you take that same wheat and and you take it to a, a feed mill and and they run it through the process, they heat it, they 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 sift it, they do all the things they do to it. By the time they're done. They have sterilized that wheat. They can put all of it in the ground. It won't do anything but rot. But inside that wheat is something called a wheat germ. There's something inside it that is alive. Even though it may look dry, even though it may look dead, once it's put into the ground and the, the outer part of that wheat grain begin to die, it becomes a fertile place for that wheat germ to take root and to spring up and to become a whole new plant, which will bring forth much more than it ever was by itself. And that's what Jesus is trying to say to them. He's saying, I'm going to have to die. He said, I'm going to die. And out of my dying is going to come forth so many more in my likeness. Now listen, that same thing holds true for the believer. You can go forth, listen to me, and hear what I'm saying to you. Don't be distracted from what I'm about to say. If you and I live our life how we please, doing it our way for ourselves, we're going to just, that's all we're ever going to amount to. It's whatever we can produce. And listen to me, when you, when you die, you will stand before the Lord Jesus Christ. And if all you stand before the Lord Jesus Christ with is what you willed to do in your life for you because you wanted to, then all of that is going to burn, and it will be gone. And your life is nothing but an absolute waste before him. And all that comes with that is shame. All that comes with that is embarrassment before God because you wasted what he gave you. Now, he says, he that loveth his life shall lose it. Well, I love me, and I love my life, and I love doing things for me, and me, 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 me. Well, if that's the way you view life, then this is all the heaven you're really going to enjoy because you're doing it all for you. It's all for you. It's not for Jesus. Listen to me. When a person gets saved, they are to serve. They don't get saved to be selfish. They don't get saved to just, to just sit around and do nothing for themselves but for themselves. He saves us for a purpose. We are saved unto good works. Not We don't do good works to be saved. We are saved, and because we're saved, we're saved to do good works for Christ. Service comes with salvation. You don't get salvation apart from service. Jesus is your friend. You say, well, he's my friend, but he's also your master. He is your friend, but yes, he is your master. And you say, well, I'm his disciple, but if you're going to be his disciple, you have to be his servant. So what do you have to do? Paul says, I die daily. What did he mean? He means every day when Paul gets up, Paul decides that 
Paul's will is not as important as God's will. So God's will becomes more important than Paul's will. So Paul is going to live for God today and put Paul on the back burner. He's going to put God on the front burner and Paul on the back burner. And he's going to live for God throughout the day. You and I, you and I are going to have to learn that if we live selfishly, we're not going to please God. We can't live, we, we can't live selfishly in this life and please him. No, what does he want? He, he wants us to ignore our own wishes and follow his wishes. I mean, this sermon series started from a verse over in Matthew. Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. I'm going to read it to you here in just a second. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 and 29. It says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. So he says, he he says, come unto me, he said, and I'll give you rest. Okay? All you that labor and are heavy laden. We we carry we carry burdens every day of our life. We 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 work ourselves into trouble. And again, we carry those burdens all day long. He says, come to me with all that. He says, quit trying to do it yourself. Quit trying to make it through life yourself. Come to me. Come here. He said, take my yoke upon you. He said, well, the first reaction is, well, wait, we we got to work now? got to work more? I've been working carrying these burdens. I've been working carrying the weight of all this stuff that's been crushing me day after day, and now you want me to go to work? But she said, I can rest. I want to get you to understand that we live in worldly chaos. Everywhere. There's chaos going on. We see it in people's families. We see it in the government. We see it on television. We see it everywhere we turn. Chaos, 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 chaos. Politics everywhere. In the middle of all that chaos, the place to find rest is in serving Jesus. When we are, listen to me, you can be as tired as you can be, but yet you God show you something he wants you to do. God brings somebody in front of you that needs God and you step up to the plate and, and speak to them for Christ and you encourage them in the Lord or you point them to Jesus and you see God literally do something in that person's life because you stepped up and got involved. Let me tell you something. You talk about rest. You talk about relief. You talk about joy. Knowing that God Almighty reached down from heaven, put his hand upon you and used you, you talk about rest. Listen, I want to find that peace. I want the peace in serving him. I mean, when we serve him, we're living proof to other people that Christ dwells in us. It's not just empty words. It's proof. It's the evidence. So I want us to look this morning at serving Christ as we as we get back to our text this morning over in John chapter 12. 
in verse 20, 23 and following. But we're going to look this primarily this morning at verse 26. If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. And if any man serve me, him will my father honor. And that's our text verse this morning. I want to look, first of all, first thing, at the rule of service. At the rule of service. And I take that, all, all three of these points are going to come from verse 26. The first thing he said was, if any man serve me, let him follow me. The rule of service. You're going to serve God, you've got to follow God. Okay? To follow somebody, guess what? You've got to give up your own way. Somebody says, listen, we're going, we're going to, to, to this town over here. You say, I've never been there before. I don't know where it's at. Say, well, just follow me and everything will be fine. As long as you stay behind the car in front of you, you're in good shape. But guess what? If you go around them and pass them and get four or five miles ahead of them, you ain't going to know where you're going. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to get lost. God doesn't want us to live the Christian life like that. Okay, God, you want me to serve you? Take off out into the world. I'm just going to go serve God. That's not how God wants us to do it. Quit trying to figure out God's will for yourself. You cannot figure him out. I've lived long enough to know that. Just when I think I know what he's doing, he throws me a curveball, and I have no idea what he's doing. And I question, Lord, what are you doing? And God's saying, well, you didn't know where I was going. You didn't know where I was going. You didn't know what I was doing. See, if we again, you and I, our, our wisdom compared to God, it's not even a comparison. Like trying to hold a match up in front of the sun, hold that match up saying, isn't that bright, that match? I mean, it's just there's no comparison. God, in his infinite wisdom, has a plan for us that's bigger than anything we could ever figure out for ourselves. So the first thing you got to do is live by the rule of, hey, I can't figure this out, so I need to quit trying. But what do you do? Okay, you don't, I see what you don't do. You don't do it in your own strength. We sang this morning that song, Stand up, stand up for Jesus, ye soldiers of the cross. What, what is that second verse? Uh, stand in his strength alone. The arm of flesh will fail you. You dare not trust your own. That made my point for me. We're not to do this in our own strength. You will give out. God's strength is what it requires. It, it requires something. Uh, listen, to do God's work, imagine that. You trying to do God's work. You have no idea how to. You don't have no idea how to endure the things that God will have you to endure. You can only do it by relying on him to get you moment by moment through everything that you face. But God will give you that to get through that. But only if you follow him. If any man serve me, let him follow me. Again, you can't run around him and try to get ahead. You can't figure him out. You can't say, oh, God, look how strong I am. God will let, what did Paul say, for when I am weak. Then am I strong? Why? Because when he's weak, then he relies on God. And again, as we go through this thing, it seems like an oxymoron. God says, "Okay, you got. I want you to serve me, but don't try to figure it out, and don't do it in your strength." Okay, what I do? Follow. Just get behind. Just get behind me. Go where I go. Do what I do. Walk in my steps. 
I guess whatever little boy did growing up, walked where his daddy stepped. I don't know if a little boy didn't ever try to put his daddy's boots on or his daddy's shoes on, try to walk in them. That's what God wants us to do. He wants us to walk in his steps. Listen, you can't do it in your own wisdom. Consider the mind of God compared to your mind. (laughs) There's there's no comparison. How foolish we are when we think we're going to figure God out. Oh, I know what God's doing. No, you don't. The only thing you know that God is doing is what he's revealed to you in his word. But when it comes to your own personal life and day by day, you don't know. You trust. You have faith. You rely and you believe. You trust. You follow. You say, Lord, I know you've never, listen, you saved me. You gave your life for me. You shed your blood for me. You died for me. You bought me. You paid for me. And you've taken care of me this far. Lord, I believe you have enough wisdom to lead me. Get behind him and walk and quit trying to question him. Quit guessing him and quit trying to figure him out. So what do you got to do? Well, you got to believe his doctrine. You got to believe what he says. I was talking to a guy the other day. Talking to him about what I believe. He says, Oh, you you one of them literal people. You 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 believe it literal. I said, Yeah, I sure do. I sure do. I but when it says it, I believe it. I don't know any other way to read it. You know, when the Bible says in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, I don't believe that that means anything more than in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. I don't believe that no Big Bang happened. I don't, I don't believe that nothing evolved. The Bible says he created it. He spoke, and it happened. That's all that I need to know. I, I don't need to interpret it. Okay? I need to believe it. You know what Jesus said just a few, just a few months ago or weeks ago when those disciples were trying to shoo the children away? He says, suffer the little children to come unto me, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because they will come and believe. They don't have to interpret it. They don't need some some new version. Listen, anybody that comes at you with anything new other than what you've heard already, it's hogwash. God has not waited until 2019 to reveal some new doctrine to somebody. It ain't going to happen. What's in this book is good enough, and it's always been good enough. It's been more than good enough. You don't need something new. You don't need some new teacher with some new idea or some new discovery. Hogwash, you just need God. Believe it. All right, so the rule of service, if any man serve me, let him follow me by believing my doctrine, trusting in my word. I mean, listen, salvation is what salvation is. It's it's by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. It is by faith by grace through faith alone. That's nothing else. Jesus died for me. He paid for my sins. That's enough. I believe it. I trust him. I'm going to give myself to him, and I'm going to, I'm going to believe on him as my Savior, and that's enough to get you saved for all eternity. Believe his doctrine. Believe it when he says to follow him, which leads me to the second part of it. Obey his commandments. 
obey his commands. You know, I'm mindful of John chapter 2, the wedding at Cana, where, listen to what his mother says to the servants. Whenever whenever the mother said to Jesus, said, hey, Mary said, hey, Jesus, I ain't got any wine. His mother said to the servants, whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. I think she has a little sternness in her voice. Whatever he says, you do it. Let me tell you something. Whatever he says to you, you do it. Don't say, well, well, I'm not a preacher. That don't make no difference. Well, I'm not a Sunday school teacher. Well, I don't lead music. I don't do this. I don't know what you just obey. Don't give, come up with excuses and reasons why you're some kind of second-class Christian who don't have to obey like somebody who's in service in a church somewhere. Listen, God has called all of us to obey his commands. He doesn't specify. There is no difference between me or anybody else who's saved. We are all soldiers of the Lord. We're all enlisted in his army. We all have the same level of importance. All I have is an office that God's called me to. I'm not any better of a Christian than anybody else, and you're not either. We all are to obey God's commands, regardless of our position in life. He said, follow me. That's pretty simple. It doesn't mean anything else other than get behind me and walk. Watch where I'm going. Follow where I go. Step where I step. Do what I do. Follow me. You know what that takes? It takes two things. First of all, it takes submission. It takes, Jesus, you are my sovereign, and I am going to follow you. I do not think that I am more important than you are, Jesus. I do not think for one second that my life comes before yours. I don't think for one second that I am more important than you are. Matter of fact, I know I'm not important. Let me tell you, it not only takes submission, it takes humility. It takes you saying, I bow to you, Jesus, because you died for me. You gave your all for me. You are God. Therefore, I am going to submit and, hum and put myself in a position of humility. And, Lord, whatever you want me to do, I'm going to do it. Because if it wasn't for you, I'd be going to hell. The rule of service. If any man serve me, let him follow me. You can't serve him if you're not following if you're not following, you're not serving. And if you're not serving, what in the world are you doing? We're to believe his doctrine. We're to obey his commandments. We're to imitate his example. Like I said, we're to step where he steps. Imitate Christ's example. You say, I don't know how to serve God. Well, what did he do? I can take you to a few... Uh, plenty of examples. He he went to those that nobody else wanted to fool with, and he told them how to be saved. He loved them. He loved them in spite of their earthly maladies, their earthly problems, their earthly uh, sin sickness. He looked at them. He looked at the ones who were down in the gutter, who were who were dirty, who were filthy. He looked at the ones who were who were diseased. He looked at the ones who who had ruined their life with sin. And he had compassion on him. His heart broke for him. 
years ago, slogan came out, people wearing, as people are tend to do, they get trendy and they like to wear trendy things and do trendy things. And the little bracelets came out with the WWJD on them. What would Jesus do? And people were wearing that everywhere. Well, you know how to find out what would Jesus do? You read the Bible. And, and when you read the Bible and you find out what Jesus would do, then get in line and do it. It's not a slogan. It's a reality. How do you, what would Jesus do? Romans 8, 28. i tell you, that's a good place to look if you want to know what would Jesus do. Listen, the Bible, the Bible tells us how do how do you uh, how do you put that into practice? Well, the Bible says, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. So we are called to do what He's doing. That's what that means. All things. Look, are you listening? All things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Not your purpose, but Christ's purpose. You say, well, I'm already doing something. Well, you need to reassess what you're doing. You need to look at it and say, is this what Christ would have me to do? Am I wasting my time? Am I on the right track? Where am I headed? What am I, what am I headed for? What's the, what's the end result of what I'm doing with my life? What's my purpose? And when I come to the end of this earthly journey, what am I going to have to show for it? Well, if we're serving God and we're living for his purpose, which is to, to uh, increase the kingdom of God, if we're living to, to make a difference in the lives of those that God puts in front of us, if we're looking to speak for Christ and, and to encourage people for the, for the Lord's sake, if we're looking to tell people, uh, you know, how good God is and how good God's been to us and give them an example and a testimony of what God could do in their life because he's done it in ours and, and, and all that he's promised us, if we, if we go about our day, listen, we're not going to move mountains every single day we live, but every single day we live, we can do something for Christ. And you put one day after another of doing something for Christ Guess what? God sees you're, 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 you're responsible enough with this. He'll give you a little more. You're responsible with that. God will give you a little more. And little by little, he will increase the amount that you're able to handle until you're doing greater things for God. But God's not going to hand you the whole enchilada the first time you set out to do something for him. Amen? I mean, listen, when, when little kids sit down to draw, they, they hand them crayons and coloring pages. They don't, they don't give them a big easel and a bunch of oil paints. I mean, they, 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 you got to have a little bit of sense. you got to start them off with something they can handle. And God does the same with us. He, God won't give you more than you're able to deal with, but God will give you what you can deal with, and he'll give you the strength to do it. And then he'll give you something next time that's a little more tougher, and you say, oh, I don't know if I can do that. And God says, in my strength you can. If you trust me, you can. If you follow me, you can. If you believe me, you can. If you look to me, you can. And then when you do what God has called you to do and God showed you to do, you say, wow, God did that through me. God used me. And then the next time when it's something a little more involved, you say, wow, 
that's 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 more than I've ever done before for God. But I believe He can do it because He did it last time. That's how we do this. That's how this is supposed to progress. So we believe His doctrine, we obey His commands, we imitate His example, and we cling to His cause. I could finish up there in Romans eight twenty-eight twenty-nine. Let me finish that. All right, it says, and for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate. That means he had a plan ahead of time. He knew you before you before you were even born. He knew you would trust Christ, and he had a plan for you to be conformed to the image of his son. So that's God's plan. God's plan is for you, just like you pour water into an ice tray, and it conforms to the image of the ice tray. God wants to pour you into the image of Christ and conform you to the image of Jesus so that when people get around you, they know they've been in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, well, people don't know that when they're around me. Well, guess what? It's because you're not serving him and following him and obeying him. It's because you're living for yourself instead of Christ. If all anybody knows after they've been around you is you, then you're not serving Christ. We're to cling to his cause. He said that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. That's why he wants you to be molded into the image of Christ. It's because what Christ what Christ do? Christ came. He taught sinners. He saved sinners. He died for sinners. Now listen, when Christ came into this world, this world has never been the same since. So God brought us into this world. God, God has saved us by the blood of his own son, and he's made us a new creature in Christ Jesus, and the world shouldn't be the same after we're gone because Christ lived in us. Cling to his cause. He says he might be the firstborn among many brethren. We are to see people come to Christ as a result of our own salvation. Again, that corn of wheat, if it fall into the ground and die, it brings forth more fruit. It multiplies more than itself. So therefore, we have salvation. If this life, if Brandon doesn't just go run and do whatever Brandon wants to do with his life and throw away what God's called him to do, if, if I continue to serve God as he's called me to serve him, if I continue to do that and I continue to share what Jesus has done with other people, then there's going to be more than just me going to heaven. If I continue to preach this book, if I continue to preach Jesus and the salvation that's in his, through his blood, then there's going to be more people come to Christ. There's going to be more people in heaven as a result of me saying, you know what, what I want to do is not nearly as important as what Jesus wants me to do. And it's not just in preaching the word of God behind the pulpit. Again, it takes people everywhere. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have come to Christ as early as I did if it hadn't been for a a lady who was not a preacher, but yet she's sitting, sitting and preached Jesus to me every time the Sunday school class was about to get out. Every time she set us against the, the wall, facing the hall there in the Sunday school room, I can still see it just like I'm standing here today. I can see it in my mind. And her sitting there telling us that we needed to be saved. Over and over and over, week after week after week after week, she told us that. It impressed it upon my mind. She told me that he died for me. She told me he shed his blood for me. Yes, my mother was there. Yes, she was the one who ultimately led me to Jesus, and she had a part in that, but so did Shirley Simpson who taught me that week after week after week. 
And because of that, because of her not being out somewhere in a bar somewhere, drinking or whatever, laid out all night, uh, doing something that she shouldn't have been doing, she, she was serving God how he called her to do and telling us little boys that Jesus died for our sins. And because of that, there are people saved today. Amen. And everybody that, hey, everybody that got saved as a result of my ministry, which is the Lord's ministry, it's not mine at all, but everybody got saved as a result of the ministry God gave to me. Listen, I think she gets some fruit from that because that was the result of her. And every single person that comes out of, uh, out of my ministry, the, the, all these years of preaching, anybody who comes out of that and preaches and tells us about Jesus, that gets, I believe, that, listen, that's fruit that came out of, this, out of this old plant here that wasn't worth nothing, but God used. This little corn of wheat. We're to cling to God's cause. Give yourself to prayer for the kingdom of God to increase. Every day before you start out, Lord, use me to increase your kingdom. Use me for your glory. Make sacrifices to serve God. Don't make excuses. Make sacrifices. Put God first. Put God first. He deserves first. Follow him, not men. Too many people love follow me. And they, oh, he's such a great teacher. That's such a great pastor. That's a great teacher. Listen, follow them as they follow Christ. Don't follow them. That's what Paul said. Follow us as we, as we follow Christ. He's just saying, if you see something in me that's not Christ-like, don't follow it. But if you see me being Christ-like, that's what you follow. That was his instruction. Why? Because Paul was subject to fall down just like the rest of us. Give yourself to God's cause. But again, that's some rules of service. If you want to serve him, you can't figure him out. You just believe what he says. You obey his commands. You cling to his cause. You imitate his example. We're to follow him. Take up his cross. Walk with him. Learn from him. Listen to him. Secondly, Again, there's the rule of service, and number two, there's the fellowship of service. What did he say in our, in our scripture? First of all, he said, if any man serve me, let him follow me. That's number one, the rule. Number two, and where I am, there shall also my servant be. Where I am, Jesus said, there my servant will be. Isn't that something? Listen. I mean, I, I, I don't work for no big company. I work for a real small company. I work, I work, for, I work for, for a, a meatpacking plant. But you know what? The boss, he don't come out there and work with me. I mean, he could. He knows how to do it. He showed me a few things time or two. But does he ever come down there and just work all day long with me? No. No. He's too important for that. Now, I'm not putting him down by saying that. I'm just saying he's got too many things on his plate. He don't have time to come in there and work with me all day. But you know what? You work for Jesus, you work with him every time, every single time. Where I am, there shall also my servant be. The fellowship of service. I'm going to get right to this because I know we need to hurry. I don't want anybody to get tired on me. So the fellowship of service, number one, in consecration. Consecration means this. Look at me. 
It means separated for holy use. That's what it means. It's not a great big word. It just means uh, if you if you have an offering plate in your church building, that's separated for the for the the money that's given to God. It ain't it ain't to put anything else in. You don't use it for any other any other use. It's separated for God's use. Listen, the fellowship of service. We fellowship with Jesus when we're separated unto Him. Listen, you can't walk sinfully with Jesus. You only walk with Jesus when you're walking with him, seeking holiness. Listen, if you desire to be holy, listen, what you got to do, you got to start serving God. You ain't going to be holy in no other way. You're not, there ain't no holiness apart from serving God, period. How are you going to be holy otherwise? The only way you can be is by doing the things that please him. So when you start to serve God, when you, listen, when you when you begin to walk with Christ, maybe you maybe you hadn't maybe you hadn't been serving God. Let's just give an example. You haven't been serving God. You've been saved a while, but you really had never taken this issue of service seriously like you should. But you know that you're saved and you feel guilty about it because you know you should have been serving Christ. How do I start, preacher? What do I do? I want to live a holy life. I want to live a life that pleased God. Well, you just gotta start. You got to get up and say, "Hey, Lord, I want to start today serving you. I know that I'll need to, and I'm not sure exactly what you would have me to do, but I want to serve you." So, guess what? You set out serving Him, and you begin to walk with Him. You got to you got to stay close in prayer. You're going to have to stay in the Word of God. You're going to have to stay encouraged by being around other Christians. But as you continue to walk with God, here's what happens: as we the further we walk with God, the more our carnal ways start falling by the wayside. See, because here's what happens. As we walk with Christ, we start looking around at things in our life, and we go, ooh, that's filthy. I don't need that with me. I'm going with Jesus. I don't want that with me. Why have I got this? I don't need this. You know? I mean, listen, maybe, maybe you got saved, and you've been saved a while. And... No temper. No temper flares up at the least little thing. You know what? You realize, hey, Christ didn't do that. And that temper is going to cause me to have some problems with people. I got to get that under control. I don't need that anymore. Lord, please help me with this temper. And guess what? It falls by the wayside. It falls by the wayside. That's just an example. There's so many things I could bring up, but we ain't got time. So, so, but our carnal ways start dropping off by the wayside. And when they do, guess what? We become more and more like him. Because why? We are separating ourselves from the things that used to kept, keep us separated from him. And now we have more in common. We have more to fellowship with. We enjoy our time with the Lord a whole lot more than when we were trying to get away from him so we could do the things that we wanted to do. Number two on this, the fellowship of services. In consecration, but also in communion with God. Where I am, there shall my servant, there shall my, also my servant be in communion with God. Well, Christ was in communion with God always. There wasn't ever a time when Christ wasn't in communion with God. So, again, it's a walk. He says, come on, put your yoke on and walk. Let's go. He says, it's a straight and narrow way. It's a walk. Okay? It's a walk with God, not a sit down with God. We're not to just sit around and do nothing with God and stare into, the, stare into space. God would have us to do something for him. Christ, again, he's on the straight and narrow way. That straight and narrow way is rocky, and it's it's again it's 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 not very wide. It's got lots of uh, lots of twists and turns, but it's a it's it's a narrow way. Okay, 
I mean, it, it's not easy to walk. So you know what you need? You're going to have to hold his hand the whole way because you can't do it by yourself. So listen, you're going to have to stay. Hey, look, I'm going to say when people are when people are climbing together, like mountain climbing, things of that nature. You know what? They have to stay in communication with each other because they're dependent on each other on the way up. When we walk with Christ, our pathway, as the song says, you know, I know my pathway's rough and steep, but golden fields lay out before me where weary eyes no more shall weep. My, I know my pathway's rough and steep. It's going to be, it ain't going to be easy, but he's walking with me. So I've got to hold his hand. And as I'm holding to his hand, I've got communion with God. And it makes that pathway a whole lot easier to walk when I'm walking with Jesus. I'm fellowshipping with him along the way. And it's a daily walk. And you know what? You find refreshment there. When you get in the presence of God and you feel his presence, and I don't know, maybe you haven't felt his presence in so long that you forgot what it feels like. But I'm going to tell you something. If that's the case, you need to get on your face before God and ask God to restore the fellowship in your life because you will drown without him. You will drown in blackness of darkness without him. The Bible says, if thou and I be single, the whole body's full of light, but if the light that's in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? It's a, it's, a, it's a smothering darkness. You take your eyes off the Lord Jesus Christ, there is no light, there is no hope. He is all we have in this world, and he's all we need. Where I am there also shall also my servant be. In consecration and communication with God and in confidence. You know, there's the thing about Jesus. Jesus walked in assurance. Never seen him get rattled. Never seen him, never seen Jesus get anxious. Never seen Jesus worry, wring his hands, chew his fingernails. What am I going to do? No. What did he do? <laughs> he just did what he did. He never doubted God. He knew. He knew who he was. He knew where he was. He knew why he was there, and he came to do it. That's why he said, he said, it's time for me to be glorified. He knew where he was at. He knew everything was going on. He was, he was walking right along schedule with everything, and he did it all in assurance because he knew he had come to die for sinners. He came into this world looking for that hour when he would have to bear the weight of sin. He came looking for it. The Bible says that he endured the cross, despising the shame. He Listen, he did it with joy. There was joy set before him when he went to that cross. He knew what was on the other side of it. And he worked in confidence. He walked in confidence. And if we do his work and we walk with him, he will give us confidence as well. There's fellowship of service in confidence and in calmness. Again, like I said, he was never rattled. You know why? He's a rock of ages. He don't rattle. Amen? He's, he's the rock that don't move. He's the prince of peace. He's the one that stood up in the middle of that ship and said, peace be still, and the wind and the waves ceased. He didn't get rattled. You serve God. Listen, I, I'm telling you right now, when I'm not right with God, things in my life are not right with God, I am unsettled as I can be. I have no peace in my heart and my life, and everything seems upside down, and all I want to do is go somewhere and fall apart. But when my eyes are on Jesus... When my eyes are on him and when I'm in the word of God and I'm reading, I know, I, know, I know as well as I'm breathing, I know that God has got it. And I don't doubt it because he's never failed me. And he won't. 
where I am there shall also my servant be. With me. That's what he's saying. With me. You serve me, you'll be with me. And if we're with him, we'll walk in holiness. We'll walk talking with God. We'll walk in confidence because we know that we're working with God. And we'll work with calmness because we know that God's in control. And we'll walk in victory. Oh, yeah. There's victory ahead. We know that it's coming. We know that it's coming in John 14, verse 3. Jesus said, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there ye may be also. And we're going to shout on streets of gold when all of this is over. Listen to me. Walk with God. Walk with him. Serve him. Love him. Get to know him. Get close to him so that when you cross over the Jordan River into glory, you can shout victory with the Lord Jesus Christ. And I come to part three and we're done. Third part. Verse 26 is, If any man serve me, let him follow me. That's the rules. That where I am, there shall also my servant be. That's fellowship. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. The reward. There's a reward of service. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. How will he honor? Well, he'll own you as his own son. Because of Jesus. Because Jesus has died for me. Because Jesus shed his blood for me. Because Jesus took my sins to the cross of Calvary. And he, and he was punished by God Almighty for me in my place. Because of that, his blood covers me. And the father looks at me and he said, that's my child. That's my child. He is my son just as Jesus is because I'm covered in his. No, I'm not the Savior. When I say that, don't wrinkle your nose. I'm not saying I'm become the Savior of all mankind. I'm saying in God's eyes, I'm covered in Jesus' holiness and righteousness. And I'm his child. And I achieve sonship because of Jesus. And God will own me, own me as his son. The reward of service. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. He'll honor me as his own son. He'll give me his own approval. If I serve him, if I don't, if I don't live selfishly, if I don't live ignoring what Jesus has done for me and his command to follow him and to serve him, if, if I do what he's asked me to do, he's going to give me his approval. The Bible says he'll say to me, well done thy good and faithful servant. And that's what every single one of us as believers wants to hear. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. But he won't say well done if we haven't done well. Because God is not going to give out participation trophies for those who didn't try. That's not the way that it works. Some will be ashamed before him at his coming. Why? Because they lived like the Laodicean Christians, all sensual, all about what I feel, all about what I want, all about what I think, all about me, me, me. And they miss the purpose of being a believer altogether. 
I want his approval. This life's not that important to me. Not near as important as it is to him. This world is not that important to me. If any man serve me, him will my father honor by giving honor among your brethren. You see, our honor is just going to start when we get to heaven. And if you've served Christ here on earth, when we get to heaven, Christ will honor us among our brethren in heaven. You know, I thought about that verse over in Daniel. I'm going to read it to you real quick. If I can find it. If not, I'll just quote it, but I was going to turn over there. But Yeah, I found it. Daniel chapter 12 and verse 3. Daniel chapter 12, verse 3. The Bible says, and many of them... Well, I'm going to read verse 2 and 12. Uh, 2 and 3, rather, of verse 12. Chapter 12, rather. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament. And they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. I've always looked at that and, and, and thought there's going to be a, a level of shine to us in heaven based on our following Jesus and serving him. Those who served him the most Listen, I'll put it to you like this. What does the Bible say over there in, in the letters of John? If we walk in the light, First John, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us of all sin. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, you know what, that light, if we walk in the light, guess what's going to happen when we get to heaven? We're going to continue to reflect that light. Those who walk closely to him, are going to reflect more of that light than those who followed way off. You say, well, I'll follow Jesus. You followed way off, buddy. You only showed up when it was convenient for you. You only tried when you was in trouble. You made a lot of empty promises in prayer that you never fulfilled. You lived every day for yourself, for your own creature comfort. You wasted your time. God called on you and you didn't do a thing. And you think when you get to heaven that you're going to shine like like those who serve God faithfully? No. Prayed not. Prayed not. It's going to, listen, the record's going to bear those who loved him and those who really didn't love him enough. You say, how long is that going to last? I don't know, and you don't know, and we won't know till we get there, but I know this. I know the Bible says it. And I know that it's real. And I know that there, there's going to be some honor for those who loved him and those who really tried to serve him. But that's not all. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. Why? How? By giving him crowns at the judgment seat. Listen, if we live for Christ, if we serve Christ, if we live righteous lives, if we witness and share Christ with other people, if we die for Christ, there's crowns for all that. There's crowns to be given away. Yes, we'll take those crowns and we'll cast them back at Jesus' feet. And we'll say, Lord, they're all for you. They're not for me. 
But you see, the whole point is to serve him, is to try and somehow give back a tiny speck of the love that he's given to us. He deserves it, don't you think? Don't you think he deserves it? I mean, is your salvation worth anything to you? It's worth something to me. If your salvation is worth anything to you, then do something with it and quit wasting it. Quit sitting on it and doing nothing. You know, it seems if, if we know that Jesus is coming back, if we really believe that, it ought to spur us into action. It ought to spur us to get up in the morning and say, Lord, I want to start today. Or even or even now, just say right now, before, the, before we get done today, just bow your head in prayer and say, Lord, I want to get started today doing something for you. Again, you're not going to go change the world on a Sunday afternoon. But you might do something for God and then get up tomorrow and start over. Don't brag on what you did today. Don't brag to nobody. Just serve him for him. Serve him if nobody else ever knows. We're not to go around bragging on ourselves. We're to serve him for him. Let's give him glory, not ourselves. Live for God. And day by day, It'll get better and better. Oh, it'll it'll be challenging, but with each challenge, we will we will be have reaffirmed in our hearts how God is able to to help us to rise to every challenge. I urge you today: if you're not saved, come to Christ. If you've never been born again, today is the day of salvation. You may never hear it again. You may never get another chance. This may be the last day of your life. God has given you the opportunity to be saved by sending his son to die and bear the responsibility, the weight, the death, the burden of your sin, the punishment, the payment. He became that for you. He paid the price for your sin. And God offers it to you as a gift, paid in full, free of charge. All you must do is turn from your way and believe. be willing to turn from your way. I should say you can't do it on your own. Be willing to turn from your way and believe that Jesus has done everything necessary to save you. Believe on him. Trust in him, and he will save you. Call on his name today and ask him. And I say to those of us who are saved, who've been saved, let's not waste our lives. Let's not waste our time. Let's not treat God as if he's just something that we do along the way. Let's put him in his rightful place on the throne of our heart, and let's give him the worship that he's due and the praise that he's due. Let's don't waste it, else we come before him in shame. I want to I I hear him say, well done, and we can hear that, but we've got to come to him, and we've got to serve him. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come before you this morning. Lord, I, I love you. I, I, Lord, I, I'm so, so burdened because I know the time on this earth is short. Lord, I don't know how much longer we've got. But Lord, I know that we're living in a day when people don't seem to care. People don't seem to have much concern about their soul. People don't seem to have much desire to do anything for God. And, Lord, I'm, I, I see, I'm fearful that many of us are going to face you, Lord, with a handful of ashes. 
And Lord God, I don't want to see that happen. Lord, I'm thankful for those that are saved, but Lord, I don't want them to come fruitless. Lord God, I pray, Father, that, that today they make a decision that they're going to live their lives for Jesus, that they're going to live to give him glory. Lord, I pray today will be a day of decision for somebody. Lord, please work in the lives, Lord, of these here and those that are listening. And Lord, draw us to your side. Take away the selfishness of our heart. Lord, please forgive us. Help us now. We give you all the glory and the praise. Save a soul nearest hell today, Lord Jesus, I pray. In Christ's name, amen.